0: Your source for big and talk, it's Off-Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off-Tackle Empire. As the seasons change, it's supposed to be exactly 25 degrees colder on the first day of fall here in the Metro Detroit area, uh, and as the seasons change to be more Big Ten weather, we're here to remind you that, uh, once again, there are many types of football, but the most traditional, the one your mom would be most proud of, is Big Ten football.
1: Well, it's not going to go anywhere or do anything too fancy or extravagant, so mom likes to know where You are... The kind of football, the style of offensive
0: football that your daughter should date.
1: Mom likes to know where you are. Mom also likes to know where the football is going to be, which is going to be within three feet of where it's hiked if you're watching half of this conference. So, anyway. Welcome, then, to the Week 3 Review slash Week 4 Preview. As is tradition, we will cycle through the various non-competitive games of minimal interest and value first... I'm doing the introduction. I'm I'm the introduction now, Andrew Krusheski with Phanpusaurus, Steve Braun, just us, just the vanilla gang. We had plans, kind of going into the season to drag in contributors as we did for the team by team bit. Uh, it's become a whole thing for each of us to even get here ourselves, for various reasons, you know, personal. Things that our teams are doing on the field I, I don't know why I mean, that's not the case with me I don't have anything to be embarrassed about oh, yeah. Some, of, some, of,
0: us, some of us have tremendous developments In their personal lives Some of us are just, you know Going down bad in their battles Against mental health ailments So, anyway Michigan 59, Yukon 0 I flew in over
1: Historic <laughs> you Rensler did. Field You did, you got the aerial shot <laughs> you
0: know, I just, lately, as I, when I've fly, it's not like I fly too much, but whenever we're coming in somewhere, I look for football stadiums, because you can usually, you usually know when you've spotted an important football stadium. At Orlando, I spotted the one that was not the UCF stadium, but is one that hosts a bowl game, but doesn't have a permanent tenant. Do, do you know which one I'm talking I don't remember which one it is. It's it, like...
1: I don't know if it's like actually the Camping World field, but isn't it where it's Yeah, the camping, camping World, World Stadium.
0: Yeah. You're, you're, it's something. I remember there was Camping World.
1: That's definitely, Baltimore's I think the bowl game is called that or used to be, or who can say it? But yeah, it's funny that you made the appendage in there of important stadiums because, again, you flew over Yukon's field. Well, uh, look,
0: I'm going, <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling into Hartford Airport, and I'm thinking that looks substantially larger than a high school
1: stadium. <laughs> what else could it possibly it's, be is it like a former it's su- not an ivy league a stadium. former summer home of the jets or something <laughs> surely not Random yes sir.
0: thing i was thinking about I, I found myself talking to a patriots fan in, in an airport and he lives in vermont which is of course the closest thing is to go to the Patriots game but it's actually way cheaper to go to the Jets games because the tickets are, like, less than a quarter <laughs> of the price and it's not that much farther away. Like, I guess it costs, like, $400 for nosebleeds at Gillette. But oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, it's two and a half hours away from anywhere, and uh, also the demand is incredible.
1: Oh, my. $400 for a regular season football game to watch the Patriots lose to the Dolphins, which they do a lot more these days. Like,
0: my God. We were talking about Loa has never lost to the Patriots, in fact.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, given the current trend lines, um, that's nuts. But yeah, I mean, look how we're looking for literally anything to not talk about this game, because what is there to talk about?
0: I already I already extracted the most interesting thing about this game in yeah. the Big Ten Infographics post, where I posited that both Jim Mora and Jim Harbaugh coached in the Pac-12, but did not win Coach of the Year. Um And also, they both coached in the NFC West, which, it is incredible that how many Pac-10 or 12 head coaches also coached in the NFC West. You don't really see that anywhere else.
1: I don't think Lincoln Riley's ever going to coach in the Big Ten. I think he's going to be, he may well take over for the Seahawks when Carroll hangs it up, uh, or when the Cardinals get tired of Kingsbury and he ends up being Alabama's offensive coordinator. You You mean the
0: SEC, yeah. Yeah um, Well he certainly no, I mean, no, no,
1: I I mean Lincoln like I mean like Riley
0: Yeah the Oklahoma's Oh yeah USC That's right He was at Oklahoma <laughs> He not is anyway. now at USC And <laughs> USC is not going To the Pac-12 but or Not going to the <clears throat> SEC But it's going to the Big Ten I keep forgetting that
1: Yeah It's going to be weird I, I'm still like I still look forward To that a little bit But anyway I Here's don't
0: here. because The Big Ten West Is coming to an
1: end I'm also never going to get to every Big 10 stadium. That's clearly just a thing that's never going to ha- like I remember I had started this little odyssey of mine in like 2012 and then they add Maryland and Rutgers and I was like, "You got to be kidding me. I'm never going to get like joking, surely this will be the end of it and I won't have to nope. Not only are they adding two more schools, they're on the opposite side of the country as far away as they can get in the continuous lower 48. And yeah, it's Clearly never going to happen. Anyway, if you
0: really want to hear things about this game, Blake Corum scored five touchdowns on 12 carries.
1: And only 70 yards, which is interesting. Like, I didn't think of him as a short yards back. But anyway, yeah, there, there wasn't anything to see. It, it did end up, be, I mean, the line was 51 points as of kickoff, I believe. So it did. they did have to keep scoring until into the fourth quarter, but... They pulled all their stars. They played everybody who was on scholarship, who they planned to play. There's nothing to say about it. Um, Ohio State 77, Toledo 21. The Buckeyes had a mere five-score win over a Sunbelt team last year, and a few folks dared to whisper into the cosmos, hey, maybe they're not a super elite after all. So to prove their power, they not only blew up the Alderaan of Toledo, but then blew up a few of the bigger pieces that were floating around in space for good measure, just to make sure everyone understood exactly what they are.
0: Yeah, they got seven uh, passing attempts for Kyle McCord in this one. Um, I, I mean, hey, look, Toledo did a good job of limiting Travion Henderson to 19 yards and a touchdown, mostly by surrendering 77 points, so that there wasn't any need <laughs> to give him
1: the ball more. Yeah, just go, just go into the end zone. Yeah, and it, of course, in our OTE league, I have the Toledo defense, and I learned in this game that there are actually ceilings on the penalties. I only got a zero from playing them and forgetting to find an alternate for this week instead of JMC scoring, for example, where I would have lost about 180 points. So <laughs> just as well that I didn't fiddle around with the scoring settings because I would have ended up just penalizing myself.
0: Anyway, I don't really know what you want us to say about an explosive passing attack against, admittedly, one of the better Mac teams, but it's I a, mean.
1: It's a bad Mac this year, and even a. Even, Toledo is
0: far and away the class of the Mac. Yeah, which is not saying very much.
1: Yeah, well, I don't think that the I don't think there are many no, peak Northern Illinois teams that would stand up to this Ohio State. But anyway, it it was what it was. I'm I'm fairly sure Jackson Smith and Jigba still did not play in this game. He was no, he got two to... for 33. Okay, so he, they took him out stamps. quick. So they got him back in. They got him out quick. Um, he'll likely be full go when they host Wisconsin next week. And they'll be fine. Um, Minnesota 49, Colorado 7. It should be really difficult for a Power 5 team, ostensibly, I mean even one with the lower annual payout that the PAC12 network gets them and so forth, should be really hard for a P5 team to find itself in conversation for the worst FBS team with the Yukons and the Hawaii's of the world. But here the buffaloes are. Um, that being said, this victory for Minnesota was not without a price. Uh, wide receiver chris Ottman Bell suffering a leg injury that will require surgery that will keep him out for the rest of this year <laughs> apparently the plan for the Minnesota staff is if he is interested is going to be to apply for a seventh year of eligibility for him. There are going to be a few of those guys walking around next year um certainly wish him the best it's just terrible when a guy like that just can't he can't get a break in terms of the injury bug and Never, you'll never know what kind of player he could have been on the field.
0: As for Colorado, uh, if you want to know how bad things are, they uh, their athletic director released a statement in which he was basically like, "Look, <laughs> we saw the game. <laughs> we know what happened. We know what the deal is. Um, let's just kind of uh, chill for a second. And uh, it's only
1: Carl Durell's only a year and change into his contract. Colorado is probably not looking to try to get back into the coaching carousel now that Nebraska and Arizona State have already hopped on and they're not going to be the last ones this month. Yeah, so. he
0: basically said, like all of you, I have been disappointed to watch our football <laughs> team struggle this fall. Which is, I know that our student-athletes <laughs> are capable of so much more and that all of you deserve better results.
1: That's He's he's pretty firmly looking at Carl Durrell as he says this, <laughs> which again, Mike... I can't... Former Pac-12
0: coach of the year.
1: It is a bit uncouth of me as a Michigan State fan to waggle my tongue at Colorado at all because it is our fault that they are in this situation. I I don't think Mel Tucker was going to stay there very long regardless, but as bad of a situation as we were put in by D'Antonio's late retirement, the fact that we then grabbed their head coach when they don't have the kind of money to throw at a coach that we do... Put them in a terrible position. So any Colorado fan who wants to be very angry at me personally as a sort of minor avatar of my school, that's fine. Um, Please don't, like, sucker punch me if you see me because I don't think, like, that's a little bit much. And Colorado
0: genuinely is just take out the 2016 season and uh, they're absolutely Kansas because that's their only winning season besides 2020. And 2016, they have none since 2005.
1: And it's honestly, it's another data point in my notion that I think we got to move up the the time bar of what is the relevant period within which you need to have won a national title to be relevant because Colorado and Georgia Tech both have national titles in my lifetime. And yet, here we are. So,
0: anyway. Yep, that that, uh, game... I talk about all the time where, where eventual Big Ten champion Illinois beat eventual national champion Colorado by two points in front of a sellout crowd of 75,000. That was a thing that happened one time.
1: In my life, no less. Um, Wisconsin 66, New Mexico State 7. Wisconsin beat Jerry Kill by more points than Minnesota did. So oh, I'm just I guess gonna, they had
0: even worse blood with him.
1: I'm just going to point that out. I, don't, I mean, you know, who knows if these things mean anything at all. Um, well,
0: I'm assured that they do by some people.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah this is this is real this will it gives real moral clarity to the slap fight that was probably going on behind the scenes between Paul Christ and Jerry Kill. So uh, not a whole lot to talk about in this game. Some indications that maybe Skyler Bell shapes up to be a number one type receiver for your offense if you're Wisconsin. I would not read too much into the results against again. It's really astounding how many just absolutely dreadful teams there are in FBS now, but not surprising, given the way that rosters can dissolve overnight. New Mexico
0: State is a special case. They yeah, got orphaned by the Sun Belt a, a number of years ago, and they're just kind of like, I mean is yukon is Yukon still FBS?:
1: Yes, They've they kind
0: of both of them are just kind of trying to figure out what they should do if they should join their brothers in Idaho or not.
1: Look, Idaho has now become a decent FCS team. They without <laughs> changing
0: the head coach. Paul Petrino was yeah. the head coach when they were still
1: <laughs> in FBS. Yeah, it's it's an interesting transition to have to navigate. But look, they gave Washington State and Indiana reasonable challenges this year as FCS as an FCS team, whereas in the past, their last dozen or so years in FBS, they would have been walked over by either of those teams. So it's it's a very strange but anyway. Uh, no, don't read anything into a New Mexico State result. Um, another Speaking of another Big Ten West team that got an absolutely dreadful opponent, Iowa put up 27 points on Nevada, Wolf boy, shutting out the Wolfpack.
0: absolutely ethered Nevada. By
1: the relative maximum capacity of the offenses involved, this is by far the largest blowout we have seen so far this year. Also involved a several-hour weather delay, so that it ended well after midnight. Did it involve
0: several weather delays?
1: I don't know if it was one or if it was like on-off, on-off. I wasn't exactly paying attention to it, but this game went on even longer. I mean, So on the one hand, it's an Iowa game, so it's actually going to go pretty quick most of the time because they're just going to run the ball two-thirds of the plays. And then also it still feels like it takes an eternity because it's the Iowa offense that you have to watch some of the time. So that this took longer than it normally did does not feel like a – Fair thing to do to the fans after that Iowa State result coming after the South Dakota game. It just, man, they're going through it. That's This is the price you pay for a division champion, I suppose. And now I'm
0: wondering, who the hell coaches Nevada? And uh, if I gave you 150 guesses, you wouldn't get this. No, I don't think I would. Ken Wilson.
1: Totally made up name. That's a, that's No, you want to know something
0: even more made up? He was born in a, in a city that is a week two game, Virginia, Illinois.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where that is. No, that is, that is 100% witness protection, which also kind of explains why he's not doing a great job with Nevada. No, the truth there is Norval just pulled the guts out of the program when he left. But anyway... And that was a
0: team that lost a lot last year before he, he left. So, yeah, they weren't
1: exactly good. So we'll proceed into the category of narrower escapes, but still victories for the conference. Maryland 34, SMU 27. Describe a Maryland non-conference win if you can for me. Okay, freewheeling offense on both ends, although in this case did not turn into as many points as I would have liked, having picked Tungo Violoa for JMC. Well,
0: you, know, you always, I mean, we certainly thought that this was going to be a a big one. Only 23 pass attempts, which kind of surprised me. Although Tanner Mordecai had 54 for SMU,
1: I guess um, Maryland running back getting huge yardage on a very small number of carries. Uh, 15 penalties in a win for Maryland. Yeah, man. I, once you've got a brand, that's like it's it exists for a reason. In a lot of these cases, they pull off a narrow win. Uh, boy, commit 15 penalties against Michigan next week, and you might not be within 15 scores. Um, Rutgers 16, Temple 14. Rutgers' only touchdown this game was a pick six. They otherwise mustered three field goals. This offense has become outright Frankensteinian. Their leading car- leading ball carrier on the day was Johnny Langan with nine rushes for 70-something yards.
0: That's my quarterback.
1: Did you pick him up? It wouldn't have been the I worst. I to. Season. Yeah, it wouldn't I had, have been the worst. Both like, of my
0: Mac guys went down. Although, DJ Iron returned for Akron for some reason. What a terrible
1: idea. They play Georgia. No, not Georgia. Kent State plays Georgia. Akron's got another really difficult game next week. I don't know. No, they play Liberty. That's right. Um, Liberty, Liberty.
0: So, anyway, Rutgers held the 201 yards, held Temple to 264 yards, uh, 142 of Rutgers' 201 yards came on the ground in the weight
1: room in the community. Outgained by Temple by 60 yards. This is not a good team. Uh, and but
0: they play very good special teams. They sure. play pretty good defense. They belong in the Big Ten West.
1: Yeah, too, bad they're, for
0: them. too bad they're
1: not in it. Too bad uh, for them,
0: yes. But they are 3-0. That's halfway to bowl eligibility.
1: True. And look, given, look that Boston College game was absolutely found money for them. Um and it gives them a margin of error that they probably didn't have and that they're going to need because this offense is going to lose a couple games that their defense and special teams should win. Speaking of
0: mysteriously 3 a teams that <laughs> are absolutely uh, you know, swimming in gravy right now. Stop. Indiana
1: 33, Western
0: just, Kentucky 30. Indiana just, should probably just, be one and two. Just
1: don't look too close. Don't 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 never mind. The the man behind the curtain who's... Per Bill
0: Connolly, their likelihood of winning the Illinois game that they should have lost was three times greater than their likelihood to win the Western Kentucky game.
1: Indiana needed a missed field goal attempt as time expired. Not from a super long distance either. I think it was 40-something yards. And then they needed Charles Campbell to hit a 51-yarder themselves in overtime to come away with the victory. Uh boy. It, look... <laughs> A win is a win is a win is a win if you're trying to get off the mat the way that Indiana is. But that cannot feel good ahead of the trip to Cincinnati next week. They
0: allowed 216 yards to a team that wasn't really trying to run the ball. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it does not. I, I right. feel
0: a lot worse about our performance. But, again, for Indiana, three more wins will get them to a bowl. That will be enough to firm up the Tom ha- to the Tom Allen regime, that'll be more than enough to firm it up. Yeah. Connor Basilak is certainly a lot a much better fit for this offense than whatever they were doing last year. Obviously, it's a new offense, but point is, well, <laughs> they've got a guy that can run it.
1: He's, he's been a better fit so far because he's been able to play. He's he's yeah. durable enough that no, he's yes, actually yes, out there. Yes, yeah. so <laughs> that
0: statement is to be taken with a grain of salt. However, it is still true.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It is all right. Anyway, y'all want to see a dead body? <laughs> if you're a Nebraska fan, it's kind of refreshing to not lose a one-score game. In a sense, right? Like that's a nice change of pace. Oklahoma forty-nine, Nebraska fourteen. And of course, really the only the only information that was swirling around Nebraska this past weekend that I saw, not you know, not being able to watch the game, was that. Because Fox was in Lincoln, Urban Meyer was in Lincoln, and a lot of Nebraska fans want him. There was a chant in the stadium for him. We want Urban. Okay, look.
0: Well, they, they've been living rural for all these years. I mean.
1: if, if Nebraska wants to forever and permanently expunge their humble, earnest, kind of lockable, down-to-earth, you know, just good old... Country folk, if you want to get rid of that self-image forever, by all means, do this dance with Urban Meyer. I really doubt that his approach works in the Portal era. And you're going to expose your total and utter lack of morality if you choose to do business with this man, knowing what is now known about him. He's He's still got a track record. That means somebody's going to give him another shot. So on one hand, it might as well be you. You will
0: have a very good shot to win a national title. Um, no, they won't. There I will be believe, a lot of there. There will be a lot of lives destroyed along the way.
1: I don't believe that he's still got it. I think that, no. I I think if the portal rules that are now in place had existed when he was at Florida, to say nothing of it of Ohio State. I don't think anywhere near the same number of elite players would have put up with him. I don't think today's player... I know it hasn't been all that long. I don't think today's player puts up with him.
0: He did also take over for um, recruiting powerhouses. Ron Zook and Jim Trestle. Those last two stops.
1: Well, yeah. And like I know people will hear Ron Zook in there and think you're being sarcastic. But no. At Florida, Ron Zook had plenty of talent amassed.
0: Ron Zook recruited Aaron Hernandez, for instance. Yeah,
1: well... An elite tight end. <laughs> I don't remember whatever became of that guy. Yeah, and and so the point here is, I suppose if the things that we've been saying for years are true and Nebraska does have a reasonable stockpile of talent, but it's one thing to have talent relative to the Big Ten West. If you were to come back and the conference gets rid of divisions, now he's got to climb over an Ohio State that he helped build, Michigan, Penn State... Everyone else So like, I don't think it's I don't think it would work And I think the odds That he's there More than three or four years Are very low And when he leaves He will leave a mess You know that for sure Well anyway I've got an idea
0: His name 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 He wins close games 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 Remasters of the aims, aims, aims. I think I'll sing it again. Nebraska got you a name, name, name. He wins those games, games, games. You can't go wrong. Hire Charlie Strong. Who gonna be now? Den, den, den. Twenty twenty-three now. Den, den, den. Gotta be Charlie now. Den, den, den. Strong, 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 strong.
1: Okay. <laughs> Purdue twenty-nine, Syracuse thirty-two. The Boilers now sit at one and two after. A string of positively John L. Smithian mishaps and 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 really stumblings on the field that could have been avoided. We have, of course, the Penn State game to open the season, play calling the likes of which I have never seen trying to preserve a lead. I've already raged about that. This time, after taking a late lead, after a madcap fourth quarter, this game was 10-9 going into the fourth quarter. It was ended
0: up 3-9, very late in the third. Yeah,
1: ended up. 32-29. And if you think about those numbers, by the way, it's not exactly easy to get to those numbers from the numbers the team started at going into the quarter. So this time, Purdue takes a lead with less than a minute left. 53 or 57 seconds, something like that. 51 seconds. 51 seconds, something like that. Um, they take the lead, score touchdown. Two unsportsmanlike penalties later. One on Payne Durham, who had scored the touchdown. Okay, you know, you don't like to see that kind of celebration, but it's a big moment. You understand the guy losing; He's an upperclassman. You don't want that to happen. Uh, Second unsportsmanlike conduct, if you had 30 guesses, you probably wouldn't have come up with special teams coach, unless I'm getting that wrong. It was an assistant coach on the Purdue sideline. I think it was the special teams guy. I don't remember who. So... Assess concurrently, meaning that Syracuse gets the ball at the 50-yard line <laughs> with less than a minute left. I mean,
0: those are just some of the things that you've got to do in order to square this up. Purdue outgained Syracuse 485-306. Yeah. to 306. Syracuse was 3-for-13 on third down.
1: Yeah, don't uh, have to convert many third downs to score that go ahead, There was only down.
0: one turnover for Purdue, none for Syracuse. 13 penalties... 138 yards, and, crucially, Syracuse converted every single red zone opportunity into a touchdown.
1: And that's that's coaching. Not so much the red zone conversion thing, but the penalties, especially in the big moment, that's coaching. Just like the play calling against Penn State was coaching, this Purdue team is good enough to win, man. But here they are, sitting at 1-2, and two when they really should be 3-0. and oh. I can't defend Jeff Braum anymore, man. His offense is really fun to watch. It's really starting to feel like he does not have whatever thing it is it takes to be the guy in charge in the big moment because yet another big one came, and Purdue ends up on the short end of it.
0: And, and all of a sudden, after basically doing virtually nothing for his short career so far, Rondé Gadston Jr.
1: Fantastic catch, on the touchdown, kind of like an over-the-shoulder toe-tap,
0: you know. He came up huge in this game. Six for 112 and two touchdowns. Yeah. Purdue stopped the run to the tune of 125 yards, 42 yards on 18 attempts for Sean Tucker, superstar running back. Yeah. Syracuse is now 3-0. and Dino Babers is not dead yet.
1: Evidently not. um, yeah, they, uh... Like we said last week, going into the season, if you had to identify the worst Power 5 team, they would have been a candidate. Um, They would have been a candidate, given that Illinois and Kansas have lifted themselves out of the muck. Yeah, they would have been on that list.
0: I would have thought you they did go 5-7 and last year, and I developed an offensive identity towards the end of the year. But
1: I'm not saying they would have been the answer, but they would have been on the list. Yeah.
0: in right. any case, Purdue sits at 1-2 and two with a conference loss already in hand.
1: Okay, let's get this over with. Michigan State 28, Washington 39, and I'll tell you it was not that close. Um, Washington did whatever they wanted on offense to a comical extent. First five possessions, all touchdowns. Well, no, I guess Dan corrected there. They were stopped one yard short of the, short of the end zone, And then immediately got a safety out of Michigan State and got the ball back anyway. Probably better than a touchdown because they then scored on the ensuing possession. So for those first five offensive possessions, they got 100% of available yards minus one. (laughs) And after that, they changed up their game plan a little bit. Started running the ball more. uh, Punted it back a couple times. Michigan State's offense did what it could. But they couldn't run the ball in the slightest. Michigan State's offensive line got dominated in this game. The only reason it was close at all was that Peyton Thorne had probably the best game I've seen him play. There, yeah, maybe the Michigan game last year, but Thorne was damn good. Even without Jaden Reed, it's pretty clear to me that Thorne and the receivers are going to be what determines how far this team goes because they're going to be what has to carry the team. Um, but
0: Michigan State didn't get Prime Penix. They got Penix on a level that has not yet been seen. No,
1: this is better than I. I mean, it has to be said, he has better receivers here than he ever did at Indiana.
0: Jalen Polk in particular.
1: Yeah, six for like a buck fifty-three and three touchdowns. I mean, McMillan's really good. They still have Giles Jackson. Like they they definitely got some dudes. And it. I also had the thought, and I don't think I was the only one who thought this that Wow, Jimmy Lake mismanaged talent on a level that Ooh, we have yeah. not seen. Very often at the top, level we don't of
0: hear all that much about Washington, but that was a that was a playoff caliber team that just kind of totally fell apart, fell out of bowl contention in a couple of years.
1: You know what? I had an absolute light bulb moment as I was thinking about this game Sunday morning, which was that Jimmy Lake basically left a situation for Deboer nearly identical to what Brady Hoke left for Harbaugh. An extremely well-built roster with one huge problem. They didn't have a quarterback worth of shit, and their offensive philosophy sucked. In comes a head coach who grabs himself a decent quarterback off the transfer market. All of a sudden, all the machines are humming again. Um, That was exactly the vibe that I got, which I know is going to sound like an excuse because, look, don't let me me try to brush us under the rug if that's what it feels like I'm doing. Michigan State's pass defense showed themselves to still be abhorrent. They could very well be in the bottom five in the country again this year if they don't sort things out.
0: I have a question. Have you ever, ever at any point in this country thought, yeah, there's probably only 10 better teams in the country than Michigan State? Have
1: you actually thought that? Do you mean, like, overall?
0: Yeah, in no. the whole country. So, like, early season pole swings, my dude kind of ridiculous that Michigan State basically just got all the way up to number 11 by virtue of just everybody remembers them being good last year and then they didn't lose so I mean there's a recipe to fall right out of the top 25 yeah
1: well that also the fact that a lot of the other I mean again we've commented the last couple weeks that there's been a handful of games worth watching and a lot of teams playing a lot of FCS teams and it seems like everyone's gotten in two games against UConn like and to yeah, Michigan no, State too. If nobody plays anybody, and Michigan State won a New Year's Six bowl game, yeah, they're gonna stay kind of ranked. Were they overrated to where they actually are this year? A bit. I don't think they should have fallen all the way out of the rankings. But again, we'll nobody see. Nobody the- plays
0: anybody. And nobody calls you friends. <laughs> We're from the Big Ten, and we like it that way.
1: Yeah. Speaking of somebody that nobody's going to call friend, Northwestern 24, Southern Illinois 31. (laughs) Speaking of defenses that have fallen from grace, my God, who would have figured that Patty Fisher was just reincarnated Mike Singletary and that without him, this defense didn't have a chance.
0: I'm out here whistling past the graveyard as Illinois opens up as 12.5 point favorites against a substantially better FCS team than Southern Illinois, uh, and also Illinois having... Turned it over four times in each of their last two
1: games, which is largely how Northwestern lost, but... But so do you really think that that's a... Like, is that actually an aspect of Illinois that's going to define the entire season, that that's going to continue? Or is that just, like, a thing that's happened kind of flukish so far?
0: One certainly hopes that it's the latter, but uh, both Northwestern and Illinois have turned it over four times in each of their last two games. Illinois played an opponent bad enough to win against in Virginia for some reason. Yeah. Whereas Northwestern got one of the other differences though is Northwestern got picked apart by Saluki quarterback Nick Baker. To the tune of 241, three touchdowns and a pick. Yeah. 23 for 34 passing.
1: It's also I gotta look at the box score here because I'm curious when Evan Hull's fumble was um, this is this would be the second game in a row that he's lost a fumble in a game where Northwestern lost very narrowly. Oh, and, it was
0: it was in the most important possible point of the game. The, uh Northwestern actually they had two fumbles after Southern Illinois went up twenty four to seventeen, one of which was at the Southern Illinois three. Uh, that was or, uh, Southern Illinois thirty three by Evan Hull, and the other one of which was by Holinsky back at the Northwestern 10, which set up the go-ahead score that basically ended the game. And so there's... Not the go-ahead score, but the 31-17 score.
1: The problem then is there's a little bit of evidence now that maybe Evan Hull wears down to the point that his ball security suffers a little bit when he gets into the mid-30s with his touches in a game. But there's also the fact that he's their most complete and versatile offensive weapon by a wide margin
0: fumbles are a thing that honestly is a product of how how little uh, you know the lack of data points in football versus a sport like baseball. Yeah. It's really hard to do something about fumbles schematically. Interceptions to an extent you can you can mitigate through through planning. Fumbles obviously you just don't get your ball carrier hit, but it's kind of hard to scheme out of. It's you know, you certainly hope somebody doesn't Fumble the ball, but like I don't know that you can, what you what you can blame that on. I don't know that you can say that that's a coaching thing. Obviously, getting Holinsky, you know, blown up in a situation like that to where he he gives up the ball to set up kind of the game sealer is one thing, but also yardage was three eighty to three fifty seven in favor of of Northwestern. Northwestern went six for seventeen on third down. like yeah. I said, we saw a team overcome a four to one turnover deficit to still dominate a game, largely because their defense, uh, the Illinois defense, kept Virginia off the field. In this case, although they held them to five for sixteen on third downs, they allowed three for three on fourth down and uh, two hundred sixty-one passing yards. Southern Illinois looked like a, a very composed team.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing though is that if you want to point at Northwestern's four turnovers, okay, fine. Southern Illinois missed two field goals (laughs) they had a couple of empty possessions too uh and also turned the ball over twice so if you consider the missed field goals as turnovers this was an even game in the turnover column this is just a fact of northwestern playing a kind of unremarkable fcs team way too close to even uh i don't know what the solution here is but northwestern that got
0: got by incarnate word worse than nevada did
1: yeah, although you know, we'll have to keep the an incarnate eye. on word that. is incarnate word is pretty good. Don't uh, get me wrong. Apparently they are.
0: Uh, yes. I mean, Southern Illinois was getting votes in the FCS poll despite their zero and two record. They played two very good teams. Um, well, now they played three very good teams, or now they played two very good teams and Northwestern. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say let's let's correct ourselves there, uh, but yeah, it's it's a loss that moves Northwestern to one and two. September Northwestern has been a little bit of a meme, but it's getting pretty hard to dispute, man. It's like it's a real thing. Um, and this is it's to the point where it's overwhelming even-year Northwestern, which does not feel like a thing at this point. Let me see
0: what I'm looking for. One more thing here. That is Northwestern, Southern Illinois. Northwestern. Had uh, yeah, Northwestern lost the game decisively enough that uh, Bill Connolly's model predicts predicted you know well the post game win expectancy was ten percent for Northwestern. Um, yeah, that's bad. So <laughs>
1: that's uh, pretty bad. All right, so to conclude the week that wasn't the Big Ten, we're gonna. I'm we'll see if I remember to do this next week or not. Maybe it's just a one week thing. Maybe it's something that becomes a new feature. But. For the best performance by a Big Ten team of the week, we will cover them last and we will call out the put it on the put-it-on-the-fridge game of the week. Uh, Penn State gets the first such honor by virtue of a 41-12 to 12 molly whopping of the Auburn Tigers on the road, no less. Brian Harson isn't fired yet. I, if you had told me going into the game that two FBS coaches would be fired before him, in fact, two Power 5 coaches would be fired before him, I would have been quite surprised. I would have given you Scott Frost, sure. Did not see Herm Edwards coming necessarily because, as we were discussing before we started here, I kind of thought he was already fired. But anyway.
0: Yeah, so Nebraska has made two major uh, coaching staff shakeups before Auburn has made a move.
1: Yeah, right. Interim Mickey Joseph. I believe that we forgot to mention
0: Eric Chinander is gone.
1: Yeah, the the interim coach fired the defensive coordinator. It's like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I mean... Whatever you get, or, I can't
0: and, on any reasonable grounds oppose that.
1: No, after giving up 49, and it's you know they hadn't exactly lit, covered themselves in glory this year, giving up 45 was it to Southern or to Georgia Southern? Yeah, so, damn near
0: 700 yards.
1: Yeah, so let's not pretend that the defensive performance justify itself. But usually, an interim is content to play out the string and not fire any of his friends on the staff. But you got to appreciate the the approach anyway. Penn State Auburn game was close on paper at halftime, but this game is. A good example of why I'm always rambling about Penn State as the team best equipped to challenge Ohio State. They have incredible talent on both sides of the ball. The, this freshman class for Penn State is going to be the core of a conference championship team. I'm really coming to believe that more every week. The, <laughs> turns out the simplest way to fix a run game that's been broken for a few years is you think back, huh. You know, we had Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley, two like blue-chip five-star running backs who are destined for the NFL. Our run game looked a lot better. Maybe we should go and get another one of them guys. And then they did. And lo and behold, Nick Singleton looks every bit like Saquon Barkley out of the box. Not the same running style, you understand. But in terms of the results, kind of hard to argue. Uh, And yeah, Auburn is not as strong as they have been historically. But again, it's one of those programs that always has 40 or 50 blue chip players just sitting around just by being who they are and where they are. Uh, so, again, I personally am very much looking forward to them firing their coach so that my coach can pick over their roster because that's why we—that's what we do.
0: Uh, this is also kind of validation for what I've been saying. I think Auburn's a mess. I think Auburn is yeah. going to be bad. I think Auburn could be one of the worst teams in the SEC now. I mean, who, who else is going to oppose them? It's Vanderbilt <laughs> Vanderbilt, now. yeah. That's it. So Vanderbilt, Auburn. But they're not the they, same division. Yeah. Somebody's
1: like they have had to play the SEC West. And Missouri's looked pretty bad. Who in the division is Auburn going to beat? Mississippi State, maybe, if they get him at the right so, time?
0: you're going to have Auburn versus Missouri in a really sad rematch of the 2013 SEC title game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh, where are they now? Or they're, uh, both yeah. just, they're both just, like, balding. Like
0: <laughs> uh, 34-17 win over Abilene Christian has not impressed the locals with Eli Drinkwitz.
1: No, if you can imagine. Uh, yeah. So... Excellent win for Penn State. They sweep the home-and-home home with Auburn. Hopefully that encourages – I mean, no, I was going to – the problem, of course, is if the SEC team loses both ends of this, they're not going to get any more courageous about venturing out of conference. Why would they? <laughs> I think you were about to
0: say, hopefully this encourages more home-and-home home with power Yeah, and, and that- I
1: couldn't get it out with a straight face. I was like, wait, that's- this is the opposite of what will be encouraged. And They're going to be like, you know what we need to do – is just pare down to seven conference games, make sure we get a whole make sure everybody plays the Citadel twice. Well, look what the looming home and home with Illinois has done to Kansas. Cause them to yoke the hell out. That's what it's caused them to do. Yeah, they are they
0: are one win against Duke away from going to four and 0 with a fun-to-watch style involving a flamethrowing dual threat quarterback as they went on the road and took down Houston by two scores. Um, <laughs> I, I I told you, I told you five years ago. This he was did. He's September
1: something twenty seventeen.
0: I told you this was going to happen. <laughs> told you Kansas was going to get up off the mat.
1: He has. <laughs> yes, he really did. It, like honestly, go back in the archives. We encourage you to. If you think we're making this up, we couldn't make it up. Yeah, Steve predicted this over five years ago.
0: <laughs> and and then and then I knew it. I knew there was no shadow of a doubt left when they hired the guy that i had circled in as many red markers as i could as the number 1 on on Illinois coaching search list yeah Whew. so anyway uh the U versus the ATM
1: uh yeah is the U back nope that didn't last long um Texas AM getting off the mat after losing to Appalachian State um depending on what App State does in conference that could end up in you know starting some interesting circle of trash um Elsewhere nationally, the Fallwell Tech Shelter 36, Wake Forest 37. Everyone should stop scheduling that team. Although I did find it hilarious earlier today, UMass announced that for their game against Liberty, it's Pride Day. Yeah, that
0: was, <laughs> that, of course, they took cue from uh, what, Northwestern field hockey? Yes. A, a tremendous move. We salute you, Northwestern. If you're gonna yes. pl-
1: if you're gonna play them, it has to be Pride Day. Ultimately, Doesn't matter when...
0: Liberty could not overcome all of the woke forest BS that's infecting and ruining our great nation. It turns out they could not push back against the wake agenda.
1: Yeah, Arkansas took a really long time to put away Bobby Petrino's Missouri State Bears.
0: Oh boy, this game was. Uh, Seventeen to seven Missouri State or seventeen to fourteen Missouri State at halftime. It was uh, seventeen to seven. No, seventeen to nothing Missouri State in the second quarter.
1: Yeah, and then Arkansas got a punt return and the highlight. It's like one. Of the, it's, it was like a high school highlight. Like oh. That guy's just way faster than everyone else on the field. Yeah, he's gonna score. It took him a—he's like weaving through like a kid in a corn maze, but he eventually runs the kick back. Is like, yeah, this isn't gonna hold. But so
0: after Missouri State went up twenty-seven to seventeen in the fourth quarter, the next two touchdowns were seventy-three yards and eighty-two yards on yep. a pass and a punt return. Yep, that put Arkansas up. And uh, yeah, at one point. ESPN was willing to give Missouri State an 80.2% win probability. Boy, this would have been a real fun one. Speaking of, and you know, escapes that are narrower than they look on paper, UTSA had Texas uh, kind of
1: in a a deadlock there for quite some time. Yeah, when the dam broke, it did break kind of decisively. UTSA has played a pretty difficult schedule so far. Um, And... Give Texas some credit, I suppose, for perhaps wallowing in the Bama thing a little bit. Or is it basking because they somehow moved into the rankings at a loss? Uh, Still incomprehensible to me, but anyway. UTSA now has a quality loss, so I think they should be receiving votes. But uh, Byrds Auburn,
0: which is just, I can't get over how funny that name is. Um, It's just like, imagine Auburn hiring, oh my god. What if Auburn hires Brett Bielema away and then Texas's kicker transfers there?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway, uh, B. John Robinson took over the game. B. Sean Robinson has a, uh, has a mustard out that has some of the most aggressive packaging and marketing I have ever seen. For a mustard especially, but yes. yes. Uh, the, the, the one thing that he couldn't score on, which was his taste buds. Um. Elsewhere around the country, Florida was absolutely against the ropes. They were up against it and uh, and the brakes were beating
1: the boys and then it was like it was it was like one of those things you see in a wrestling match where the you know the face is overwhelmingly pinned, and the odds are ridiculous, and then like the face slips or the heel slips on a banana peel or something um. USF had had bad snaps on consecutive plays to essentially give the game back to Florida. Um, this, Florida did not win this game because they're any good. What is Florida's reward for narrowly escaping against a really bad P5 in, or G5 in-state opponent? They get to play the game day game next weekend. So, <laughs> Whereas Kansas would have hosted Duke, who has never appeared on college game day. Kansas has appeared once. And Duke has never appeared on game day. They both are undefeated. But instead, we get another featureless SEC game between two teams who have been... I think Tennessee-Florida has been the game day game like 11 or 12 times. Which is funny because, like,
0: Tennessee hasn't been...
1: Hasn't been relevant in 25 <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, see, see, and if you're wondering why the sudden, you know, turn... I, I, I would have been pissed about Kansas getting college game day before... Well, it's one of these things where now I've just accepted that Illinois is going to be the last school that ever gets College Game Day, and I just want to—I just want i just want to try to speed run to that now. I want to—I want to wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs> I have to I get be everyone, the last
1: one. I have to get everybody else out of the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's only like seven or so left at this point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Kansas would absolutely have, have been one because frankly, Kansas going to four and would be a very interesting story. But that's not what sells. Whatever it is, that the they're narrative
1: that ESPN has chosen to sell, which is we have to promote only the four games that we want everyone to think about all season, instead of the enormous catalog of content we could be hyping up for a four-month stretch.
0: Speaking of only big marketing 10 things, is hard. Speaking of only big ten things, UCLA escapes South Alabama on some kind of kind mm-hmm. of kind of rickety. Last second field goal.
1: Oh, I've never seen a field goal that wanted to go in less after the UCLA guy kicked it. And I, I believe I played their kicker in JMC this week. So it it, it, it must have been my spirit reaching out and, and influencing that football. There is a. There is to a, make it look so very much like it there's a. There's a
0: visual wide. that I have that's so specific. I don't know if I've ever brought it up before. There's a, a while ago when Bob Stoops was still the coach of Oklahoma. And Florida State was like, you know, remember when Florida State used to be number five in the preseason polls every year despite never finishing ranked? Yeah. And Oklahoma played them on opening weekend, and won on just like this extremely shitty looking kick. And Bob Stoops has just this like, you gotta be shitting me. What in the hell is that? <laughs> Look on his face. He just can't believe what a shitty kick he's just won the game on. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking about here. Yeah. Um, very, very questionable decision making by South Alabama. Uh, f- faking a field goal into a really bizarre busted fake play.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It By all means, I mean, an escape that UCLA will certainly be glad to have had and all dozen of their fans that were there in the Rose Bowl. Very. Uh, uh, I keep seeing like, well, you know, the students haven't come back yet. It's like, it, it's the middle of September. What do you mean the students aren't back yet? Oh, where are they that they're not back from? Well, presumably, they're all still on campus. They're not back to the Rose Bowl yet because it takes that long to get out there. Yeah. They're all still on their way out there for the week one game. Traffic, you know how it is. So, uh, Virginia deprived me of calling in advance the Old Dominion double dip against in-state ACC opponents with their own field goal escape as time expired. I hated that. Um, Arizona beat North Dakota State at home, which was a Unbelievable. Legi- yeah, legitimate upset. Um, they
0: they got outgained four oh seven to three ninety four, but they forced a turnover and committed only one penalty to yeah. North Dakota State's six. Yeah, uh, I I'm genuinely shocked that this happened. North Surprising. Dakota State ran the ball for two hundred eighty three yards.
1: What I will say though is, Jed Fish right now feels like Herm Edwards kind of did in year one. Where, like, they're not, everyone assumes it's going to be an absolute disaster. And then, like, they, they look kind of competent, like they're steady. And Everyone's like, oh, well, that was an outside-the-box hire, room, and that was a good idea. And it still feels like, eventually, this thing is maybe not going to have the, the wings. But we'll see. Um, <laughs> so we complained, about, uh, we complained about Game Day a minute ago. To their credit, they did go to Appalachian State to boon for the first time. Um, ended really up beating, was it worth it? ended up beating Troy on a Hail Mary. Incredible. <coughs> what an awesome thing for this national TV audience that tuned in This uh, hold on, hold on. I'm being told that despite hosting game day, not only was App State's game not on ESPN, nor was it on ESPN2, it was on ESPN Plus. Surely ESPN had some other huge game to play in the same time slot. I see, I'm a
0: newly christened ESPN Plus subscriber because I'm one of the 7,000 or so people that goes to Detroit City FC home games. So, you know, uh, that is apparently the audience that they wanted for this game.
1: Yeah. So what, what marquee matchup did ESPN choose to play on their flagship station instead of the game day game that they had picked? Surely it had to be a good one, right?
0: Which game was it?
1: wasn't a game. They played college football scoreboard for three hours in the middle of the afternoon instead, instead of, of airing the game, the game day game. They went to game
0: day four. <laughs> that is completely inane. I do not... I will never understand that.
1: I don't know who makes the decisions for this that game for. I don't know how they still succeed. It's because they're too big to fail and they have the only properties that nobody Disney. else wants. I, sure. Sure. But you know what? My wife, who is a Disney adult is getting fed up with Disney because of how bad they are at interacting with their customers. If she can be tired of Disney, ESPN is going to drive away fans at some point or another with the way they mismanage their product and their distribution. This is insane to me. What was the game of the week, the, the emotional linchpin of the week, and they were just broadcast, they, were just, they just had a camera pointed at two guys sitting at a table in a studio. Just reading scores.
0: Are you fucking kidding
1: me? This is not that hard. I'll tell you, you, what, my favorite, you picked right. You picked the best game of the week.
0: I can't decide if my favorite Disney character is Detroit City FC's Michael Bryant or <laughs> if it is Illini running back Chase Brown. But uh, those are some of my favorite Disney characters. Anyway, you know who's no longer a Disney character is Herm Edwards. They did not stand firm for Herm they after st- losing at home to Eastern Michigan. Well, okay,
1: And as we were discussing... We had both kind of just concluded they must have let him go amidst all that whole not following the I, rules. I really stuff.
0: was surprised <laughs> to see that he was still. he I mean, tur- must have been distracted by some other story that happened yeah. last summer. And
1: amidst kind of underwhelming results, too, relative to the recruiting momentum he had his first couple of years, people expected great things of Arizona State. Because well, like, remember, like, they all their players left. They plundered California, and then all those guys left, yes. Yeah, so. yeah, really? yeah,
0: all their players left. I mean, that's. A big reason that I thought he'd already been fired because his quarterback's gone. Like, all his dudes left. There. Yeah. That, that, that one dude went to Nebraska. Like, So, if you look at coaches of Power 5 schools that have lost at home to Chris Creighton's Eastern Michigan Eagles, <laughs> there is now, to my knowledge, one left. And it is Jeff Brom. Tick-tock.